This is Episode 3 of Project Ungoverned, the Online Learning Landscape. In Part 1 of this episode, we explore access to education for refugees with Shana Kennedy-Salko from Chiron Open Higher Education in Germany. This is Project Ungoverned, a podcast looking at the brave new world of online education, new ways of learning, new ways of teaching, and the promise of unprecedented access to education. The boom in new education technology has sparked a gold rush, attracting new companies, global institutions, and investors. But who creates the rules of engagement and who enforces them? Is online learning ungoverned? I'm Nicole Harkin, an award-winning writer and former good government analyst. And I'm Dr. Kim Oakes, an education strategist specializing in ed tech and international education. Together in this six episode podcast series, we talk to educators, learners, visionaries, and pioneers in online education from across the globe to look at the possibilities, challenges, and governance of online learning. Will online learning revolutionize educational access and opportunity? Or will it accelerate a downward spiral in educational quality? And what role will governance and related issues such as accountability, transparency, and inclusiveness play in determining the outcome? Join us as we explore the landscape of online education. In part one of this two-part episode, we look at the first of two organizations offering online education to improve educational access. We meet Shana Kennedy-Salko, who is the head of transfer and guidance at Chiron Open Higher Education. We wanted to hear from her about her organization because of their innovative work educating refugees online. So my name is Shana Kennedy-Salko, and I work at Chiron Free Open Higher Education. We offer online higher education free for refugees. Our online platform offers refugees many courses that they can take, and when they complete these courses, they get certificates that they don't have to pay for. We also have many other services that we offer. We offer things like tutorials online to go along with the courses. We offer guidance for transferring into universities, and that's actually where I come in. I head up the transfer guidance team at Chiron. We offer mentoring services and language courses, as well as some blended learning options with online, offline. We have offices in Germany. I'm based in the Berlin office. But we also have an office in Jordan and one in Lebanon. In the past few years, there has been a large influx of asylum seekers into Germany, totaling approximately 1.5 million people between 2014 and 2017. So Chiron is filling an urgent need. We wanted to know about how the organization was founded. So we have two founders, um, Marcus and Vincent, and they had had a trip where they had gone to a refugee camp and both of them had had some experience working with refugees and one of them somehow came up with the idea of offering online higher education for refugees, recognizing that many of them can't get to bricks and borders universities, um, but also time-wise, it was the right idea at the right time, because then in 2015, when Germany had its large refugee wave, that led to an opportune situation for them, for Chiron, in the sense that many people came who were highly educated, who were looking to complete their university studies, or some even to start, others to get university recognition here in Germany, and they had already started their platform. 
With such an important mission, we asked Shana about the funding and structure of the organization. So we are funded by a mix of both government and foundation money. So we get money from the BMBF, which is the German Ministry of Education and Research. We get money from the British Council, for example, um, for our Jordan and Lebanon work. We also get money from the GEZ, which is part of the German Development uh, Ministry. So those are just some government organizations. But at the same point, we get some we get foundation money as well. So the Schöpflin Foundation, for example, has been one of our most active foundations from the very beginning on. But also Volkswagen, uh, the H&M Foundation, um, as well as Bertelsmann Foundation fund us, plus many others. It's notable that Chiron has backing from the German government the UK's International Organization for Cultural Relations, and several global foundations. We then had Shana walk us through the process of how a refugee would use Chiron. We have five different study tracks. So we have business and economics, we have computer science, engineering, political science, and social work as our five tracks of study. And so a student would come to us They would find out about us either through word of mouth or through some sort of Facebook group, and then they would go through an application process with us. We're just basically making sure that they do have refugee papers or host community papers if they're in Jordan or Lebanon and coming from a poor host area. And they would have to prove that they were a refugee, and they don't have to prove to us that they have a high school education or anything like that. We ask them that for our own data and for understanding whether or not they're looking to transfer to university and all of that, but they don't have to. And they would log on and tell us where they were. You know, Our platform is localized based on the offerings that we have. And then they would go through and select which study program that they wanted to be a part of. They would go through an onboarding process. And in our onboarding process, we introduce the campus. We introduce them to online learning. We have a two-hour course uh, that we developed about how to be an online learner because this is something that's not as common in much of the Middle East uh, from where most of our, our refugees come from. Our students take all different types of paths once they're with us. Um, And so they take online language courses with us as they prepare to go on to university or sometimes if they're preparing to do vocational education, but they found us and heard about some of the things that we offer. That said, you know, the ideal model um, is that a student would finish or be in the process of finishing up doing coursework with us. And then they come into contact with the transfer guidance team. Again, that's where my team comes in and we guide them through the process of transferring to university. Shana described how she works with students and the path for students after Chiron. We help students transfer, but we cannot guarantee that we can transfer them to a university. We can't guarantee their entry. Obviously, through the courses that they take with us, prep courses or courses within their field of study or their language courses, that helps them to get the skills and knowledge that they need. Um, And language, like I said, being one of the main factors why people oftentimes can't transfer. We help them once they, we help them navigate their bureaucracy, like I said, through both our online options, but then our offline on the phone options. And we also help them identify potential paths because not everyone's going to have a straight route to higher education. If you come from Afghanistan, for example, your high school degree will not be recognized. You need to do something else to have a something, basically a entry to university certi- certificate, something that shows that you can enter university. And so we help them navigate the multiple different routes that they might encounter based on their background, but also on what they want to do. Um, and so 
Sometimes it requires a detour through vocational education, um, and we would advise them on some of these things as well. So when they're taking courses, if they indicate that they want to go to university or if they indicate that they want to do other things um, through our other services, through the mentoring services that we have, but also the transfer guidance services that we have, we can help them to figure out how they can get there. But like I said, we can't guarantee their entry to a university. Refugees fall in the category of international students. Oftentimes there's different quotas for them and things like that. And that has, its, in Germany, usually has its own application form. Up to this point, we can see that Chiron is a horse of a different color as compared to the other organizations we have heard from so far. They are working with students who are rebuilding their lives in a new country and still learning the language. Shana told us the students are eager to get started on their new paths. Our students are older than the average student in Germany. Well, they're coming to us somewhere in the average between 24 and 27, and oftentimes starting a BA, you know, 26, 27 years old. And in Germany, you know, obviously they're 18, 19. And much of this is because they, many of our students had started university or had just finished the equivalent of high school when they had to flee their country. They came here, they had to spend a number of years learning German. And they're, you know, they're catching up to some degree, but they're definitely older compared to the average BA, you know, first first time full time freshman, so to say. Shana then explained to us the approach Chiron uses for delivering their courses. My understanding was that at the time the thinking was, why would we go through all of the trouble to build our own courses when there was already fabulous providers and courses out there? Why not, instead of pooling money together to create even more courses in a landscape that's dotted with a lot of courses? why not reach out to the very best providers there are and, and pull from their courses that we could offer our students. It makes us somewhat dependent on what comes really out of the U.S. because so much of what is there comes out of the U.S. Um, but at the same point, the thinking was really, you know, some of the most well-known providers and everything are there. We'll, we'll learn from them. The key thing here is that our curriculum team maps against the European framework for those particular study areas to make sure that the courses that the course content that students receive matches what is needed. We have partnerships with big online providers like Coursera or edX and through them they have partnerships you know with the MITs of the world and, and all of them basically um, and we have a mix where we offer long text and short text curricula. Um, some of them have a lot of video. The production and of the courses, the basically the types of courses that we have, are they vary greatly, I would say. And there's a variety of formats, um, but we look strongly at how reputable the institution is. Um, and like I said, most of them are, are known institutions. There are places where we have had to look for courses from places that were not really well-known institutions, but because we needed to fill a hole within the curriculum map that we saw um, in the European framework. Um, but that's really rare. Like I said, most of them are edX or Coursera courses. edX and Coursera are two examples of what we call MOOCs, or Massive Open Online Courses, where anyone can take courses developed by major universities, such as MIT, Harvard, or Duke, on an online platform. Shana points out that Chiron can map their MOOC courses to the European framework, which provides quality control standards on the subject content. Using existing high-quality courses as opposed to developing new ones 
keeps the costs lower and allows them to reach more people. But Chiron doesn't have control over the content. It also means that the professor comes with the course. We don't vet the professors ourselves. That happens through the producer of the MOOC, so the edX. And in terms of how we vet for quality, I mean, it it's, happens in a number of ways. So first of all, there's the reviews that we do of these courses to begin with. Right? We have our curriculum people who go through and really look through these courses and make sure that they're high quality. And then... Over time, we do module reviews where we review to make sure that the skills that need to be covered are covered. Because like I said, sometimes there are changes in courses and things like that. And so we have to make sure that we cover that. Um, and we have to make sure things are up to date. And we also do get student feedback. There is a place where at the end, um, when they come back to our platform to tell us, yes, I completed this course, we ask them for feedback on the course. And so in terms of how we evaluate courses that students get, it's really a mix of our own module review and ensuring that we're up to date, but also student feedback. We asked if there are any transfer barriers for Chiron students who want to go on to attend German universities. So right now, um, one of the bottlenecks that a lot of higher education institutions have for, uh, in, for international students is access to prep courses and language courses and all those types of things. Um, and getting basically also in Germany, thinking through how you can do more of these things online uh, rather than in typical brick and mortar is also something that we provide, right? The top reason why students that I have that may have amazing grades, you know, coming from Syria or Afghanistan might have amazing grades and really skilled in what they do, but they can't transfer as language. You have to have a C1 level of German um, in order to go to many of the German university programs. And while many of them at a spoken level, they speak a very high level of German, if they haven't put in all the, the desk time in terms of learning the grammar and things like that and getting to a C1 level on paper, which also test format and everything else, um, that tends to be one of the main barriers that we have with providing access to higher education. Part of what makes C1 C1 is that you can read and under, you can read advanced texts and understand them. And you could also hear um, advanced levels of conversation, understand them. And in academia, that's what you get. And so I think it's more about making sure they're successful once they're there. Shane is referring here to C1, which is a level set by the Common European Framework of Reference for Languages. We include a link to this in our show notes. Moving to a new country entails learning new hard skills and soft skills. Shana explained how these skills are imparted to Chiron students, both living in Germany and in the refugee camps with the additional services Chiron provides. When you're in Germany, I would argue it's very much about navigating the bureaucracy, right? And that's basically what my team in Germany does because depending where you come from and the education credentials that you bring with you are going to have differing levels of recognition. Um, and that's going to impact whether or not you need to do an extra year of kind of prep course before you're going to be allowed to go to German university, if you need to take certain tests and all of that. That said, once you get past that in Germany, once you're able to navigate your way through the bureaucracy and assuming you fit certain credentials in terms of your age and your residency status, going to university is not going to cost you much, right? It's close to free and pay student fees, but it's not much. The In Jordan and Lebanon, it's a very different situation um, because 
you have governance issues in the sense that many of our students have to stay within certain zones and certain areas, or they're living in refugee camps and even getting out of some of these places or being able to cross into the next town um, can be very challenging. So the ability for them to easily go on to university outside of where they're living can be quite difficult. Another issue though, and it's related to our work in terms of preparing people to go to higher education is the familiarity with online learning. Uh, I mean, they're coming from countries where that's that's not a thing. I mean, like I said, online degrees are not recognized and many universities don't have any online education offerings. Um, so that, that's another issue. Um, and some of the advocacy is advocating in Lebanon and Jordan uh, f- eventually uh, for the recognition of online higher education to be more broadly recognized um, and for online higher education degrees to be recognized. And so while our students can transfer with credits to some universities, that's okay. Um, And under certain conditions, they couldn't get a complete online higher education degree, like from somewhere like Arizona State University or uh, Glassboro University, for example, um, because their offline degrees would not be recognized. And this is pretty challenging for our situation. As we have seen in other organizations, such as in episode two, the legitimacy of online programs continues to be an ongoing discussion. In addition to this challenge, Shana highlighted some others. There's a few challenges that I'll emphasize here. One is course content changes. So we have learning agreements with many partner universities. And so with our learning agreements, that means that universities are willing to recognize the courses that students take with us and give them credits. And in this sense, it's the European credit transfer system. They're willing to give them ECTS credits. And what gets difficult is when courses change. And this happens, we, we don't make our own online courses. We get them from other providers and sometimes changes in courses happen. And that from a governance perspective is hard um, because we have to both make sure that our courses meet the requirements of the universities, but also we don't have full control over what is included within our courses. I would say too, there's a huge trend within online education to switch more in the direction of certificates. So not necessarily from master's or bachelor's, but certificates. And I would say in the next year or so, we're going to start to be working on certificates as well. And as we experiment here, I think, I mean, you're talking about things that are even less, I guess you could say, governed than when you think of traditional higher, not even traditional, but online higher education, um, because it's not tied to maybe a specific academic institution. And we're not exactly sure what the labor market value will be of all these certificates. So this is another challenge that we're coming into. But yet at the same point, there tends to be a large demand for certificates on the student side. Given Chiron's focus on refugees, another challenge we discussed is the decreasing number of asylum seekers moving to Germany. We asked Shana what the future holds for Chiron with this demographic shift. So the model itself in Germany could not survive just long-term with refugees. Um, and so we will likely expand to other groups as well. Um, when I say other groups, other um, people looking to study in Germany, international students is a real possibility. Um, so maintaining one piece for refugees, but also offering some of our services for international students. Here are some takeaways from our interview with Shana. Chiron provides open higher education for refugees, which means first providing a university readiness program and or preparation for vocational education. 
This includes not only access to course content and a certificate, but also significant personalized guidance and advocacy. While Chiron relies on MOOCs such as Coursera or edX for the course content and online education programs, the complementary in-person services are significant. This will also mean that the scalability model for the courses will be different from the scalability model for their services. We also learned about some limitations of MOOCs. With very large classes, the lack of individualized learning is par for the course. MOOCs can drastically increase access to learning content, but personalized guidance from a professor or instructor is largely missing from this model. In other words, a massive online open course is designed for a self-directed learner. Students need to be well prepared for online education, which might require developing skills and strategies to learn online before enrolling in a MOOC. This was particularly true for students coming from countries where online learning is not common. Chiron recognized this need and created their own two-hour course to prepare students. And finally, course content and any revisions are predetermined by the university developing the course. Therefore, if an organization like Chiron requires a specific piece of content or curriculum for their wider objectives, they are at the mercy of the university who developed it. Some questions for our discussion with Shana we want to take forward to our symposium in January are, could the Chiron model, which really focuses on preparing international students to attend higher education, also be applied to a traditional university system? And what will it take to continue to legitimize online education, not only in Jordan and Lebanon, but throughout the world? You can find the links, show notes, and learn about our upcoming virtual symposium on the 24th of January, 2019, on our website at projectungoverned.com. If you're enjoying this podcast series, please subscribe, rate, and review Project Ungoverned on iTunes. That's it for Episode 3, Part 1 of the Project Ungoverned podcast. Tune in for Episode 3, Part 2, when we visit with Akash Seti from Quest Alliance about using online learning to improve educational access to students in India. Project Ungoverned takes place within the Bosch Alumni Network, a network which consists of people who've been supported in one way or another by the Robert Bosch Stiftung. The network is coordinated by the International Alumni Center, IAC Berlin, a think and do tank for alumni communities with social impact. The IAC supports this podcast series and symposium. If you want to know more about the power of networks, visit iac-berlin.org.